0: What kind of mythical powers does a sundown have? We gotta consider that.
1: It's embarrassing, but we are who we are. We're not a very
0: good team, but we're three and one somehow. And we got all the voters tools thinking we're pretty good.
2: Jaborski Lane at 275 pounds showed a heck of a lot of
1: athletic ability. Welcome to the Road of Wire College Football Podcast. It is Wednesday. December 18th, Nick Whalen back with John McKechnie. John, I don't know about you, I'm fired up to break down bowl season. We we took a hiatus last week in the wake of... Some mourning. Yeah, for both of us. Um, in a lot of ways, I, I was prepping for a little mini vacation. It was just a busy week in the office. Wisconsin got mauled again by Ohio State. Georgia also took a tough loss in the SEC title game. So There, there wasn't a lot of like personal motivation for us to sit down and talk <laughs> about those games. Um, but I, I'm back with a vengeance. I am currently on coffee number three. Let's go today. I'm um, dialed in. Um, <clears throat> we're hyped up. We got bar trivia in a few hours later tonight. Uh, yeah, it's, I, think it's, I think we finished what fourth or fifth last week. We did really pathetic it, showing.
2: It's our MC's last show in, in Madison before he moves on to greener pastures wherever mm-hmm. they may be at uh, the rich, fruitful ground of somewhere in Tennessee to go MC more trivia. So uh, this show's for him.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what, you know, I, I you know, it's kind of obvious that I guess I didn't say a sponsor. And we're going unsponsored in support of the Trivia MC at Danny's Pub in downtown Madison. <laughs> um, all right, so I came into the office this morning. All the TVs were uncharacteristically turned on. Usually I, I kind of have to go around and take care of that. And I realized it's because today is National Signing Day. And one of the one of the most fun days for people who follow college football, whether you're really into the signings, you know, like you are, and you, you know a lot of these guys, you've been tracking it, watching the 247 crystal ball all year. I haven't been quite that into it, I'll admit up front, but uh, there's nothing more, uh, nothing I like more, I should say, than watching these kids on uh, these live streams, which every single year some, somehow find a way to make news. Um, most of it, you know, not, not, I shouldn't say it's not positive, but it's usually like The ones that don't go off with a hit or without a hitch uh, are the ones that ends up making news. And I don't think we've had any disasters quite yet, have we?
2: No, there there is one strange happening going on early in the morning. There is a uh, defensive back, I think, from the Miami area. Um, and he like got, he like sat down with, with, uh, the table and the hats and everything. And then he gets on the phone and just walks away for like upwards of 10 or 15 minutes. And then he comes <laughs> back and then he gets, you know, and you have these guys that are, you know, paid recruiting analysts that, that work for these websites, just sitting here, just, you know, twiddling their thumbs as this kid is just like playing, like playing with them and, and. Mm-hmm. Stringing out this long, long decision and finding out new ways to say student athlete or how I'm going to spend the next three to four years. I always love it when they say I'm going to spend the next three years, uh, yeah. type of thing. But yeah, this okay. year this okay. year did lack the craziness, I'd say for the most part. But that was the closest thing to it. I would say is is the guy stringing things along uh, to to get the day started. But other other than that, things have been gone, going pretty smoothly. Mm-hmm. There was. Um, Georgia commit. Arian uh, Smith. Arian Smith. Uh his uh wardrobe malfunction happened, like uh, where like the mic slash his rain jacket that was covering up his Georgia t shirt just completely betrayed him. The, the zipper just like it broke or something and he and he kept like mumbling into the lapel mic as he was trying to unzip it. Right. Luckily he didn't let any F bombs slip, but uh yeah. It was close. <laughs> that was
1: it, bad. it was one of the longest I've never seen anyone take that long to unzip a jacket is basically what I'm trying to say. And I think what happened is the, the cord from the lapel mic somehow got tangled up in there. Yeah. And you know, at first it was like, oh, this is kind of funny. You know, he's having a little bit of trouble. 20 seconds later, he's still struggling to get the jacket off and reveal the shirt underneath, which which says where he was going, which is, of course, Georgia. Um, I thought it was interesting in his subsequent interview with, um, you know, I think it was ESPN or whatever does the signing day special – They asked him why he picked Georgia, and, you know, it was the typical... A lot of these guys, it seems like God is the main guy who made the decision. Um, True. And this was the case here, but he mentioned that... he wants to go to Georgia to be the kick and punt returner and, quote, take him back to the crib. So I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, he wants to be the next Mecole. And I think that's been like the chatter in the group me and the chatter on the on the Georgia message boards have just been that, you know, because Mecole Hardman was recruited as an athlete. He was actually a quarterback back in high school, um, obviously was going to make that switch. He initially started out as a cornerback. So we'll have to see what Arian Smith ends up being. But I think he he's trending towards being, yeah, that, that kick and punt returner at, at the very very least to start things out and I think he'll track uh towards playing offense but he's ridiculously fast so he he does have that that game-changing speed that Georgia definitely lacked this past year so happy happy about that signing
1: what are the like big overarching takeaways from signing day so far I mean nothing too specific just you know kind of a crash course if you just want to know you know the big two or three takeaways
2: um I think it number one Clemson is it it truly is a recruiting powerhouse to the likes of which will challenge what we saw from Alabama earlier in this decade. Um, I think they had like four of the, of the top 10 uh, overall uh, commits from Uh, the 24-7 top 10 or something in that range or it's uh, two of the top three for sure and they're both on the defensive side of the ball so they're going to be able to set to like dominate the trenches the way that they were uh, with their first and second national titles uh, teams and and it's going to be more of the same from them Uh, so Clemson definitely terrifying I don't and they they also have a quarterback that is going to be ready to replace Lawrence whenever Lawrence is done uh, after next season and then uh, I thought LSU has always been a, a school that every blue chip offensive player always at least flirted with because, you know, they did have the Odell Beckhams and the Leonard Fournettes and the Darius Geises, but it was always a matter of like, yeah, they, like these are great individual players, but it never felt like this LSU offense was all that good. But this year, with the way that things broke uh, with under Joe Burrow and obviously Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator and everything, it just it opened up a new realm of offensive weapons that LSU could not only like challenge for, but have like a legitimate selling point for. Mm-hmm. And with that, they are the number four signing class right now, according to 24-7. But um, I think they're like number two or number three as far as average uh, like star power per player. So like they're getting in insane, insane talent. So LSU is about to become a recruiting juggernaut. And it's not like they already weren't, but it's like they're – we we don't even know what these levels are going to look like a year or two mm-hmm. from now.
1: Yeah, I believe LSU came into the day with the number three class, and they've since been passed up. Um, if we're looking at the same two four seven ranking, so Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, and Georgia are the top five right now, and Georgia's actually climbed past Texas A and M, which came into the day. Uh, with the top five class but how how are you feeling about the dogs class um it's
2: good it's a little bit smaller than uh, most of the other schools that you see in the in the top 10 uh, rankings so i think that we're going to see a couple more guys uh commit in the second signing period in february so georgia kind of has an idea of what it wants to do with the rest of this class i'm pretty happy with what it's been able to do as far as getting in offensive skill talent um even even with how things went offensively this year uh smith like you were talking about about. Uh, They have a couple other receivers that are pretty interesting in this class. Kendall Milton, the running back, also interesting, and they they also loaded up defensively and kept uh, most of their core as far as that offensive line group was concerned. I know there was some... worry about that because uh, Sam Pittman, the offensive line coach, uh, took the head coaching job at Arkansas. He figured that there was going to be some attrition there, but it looks like Georgia was able to hold firm for the most part there. Uh, I think if you ask any Georgia fan, the question is what happens if Jake Fromm leaves and the quarterback that that Georgia has in this coming class is not generally viewed as someone that is going to come in right away and light things up or or even play uh, just an efficient, But, you know, protected brand of football the way that Jake Fromm did his freshman year. Fromm was just absolutely insane in high school. This kid Mm -hmm. uh, took a big step back statistically um, as a senior. So we'll have to see what, what comes of that. Georgia might be active in the grad transfer market.
1: Yeah, this day as a Wisconsin fan doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, it's really great if you're a, a Georgia fan or you know, some of these other teams we've mentioned, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Uh, n- nobody has popped up on the live stream and committed to Wisconsin quite yet.
2: Yeah, so we're, we're still waiting for, you know, uh, what's like the most Wisconsin name you could think of?
1: Uh, probably Bo, B- but spelled B-E-A-U. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Bo Van Holland. Yeah. Somewhere um, out there up north. Yeah. I'm looking at their list of commits. They actually did pull the number one player out of Minnesota this morning, Caden Johnson and a linebacker, which is pretty big. They have four, four star recruits, um, but a pretty typical Wisconsin class overall kind of hovering around the middle of the twenties in the overall rankings. I'm seeing a, there's a Cole, there's a Nick, there's a Dylan, uh, a Ben, a Tanner, uh nice got to have a tan the usual the usual hits the best name that i've seen so far and there's a lot of good ones in this class but mordecai mcdaniel you're not going to find a better name than mordecai and then to get the alliteration with mcdaniel that's straight out of like ncaa football but even further back they got a little crazier with the names i think on the ps2 version so like ncaa football like oh probably oh six with desmond howard on the cover that's that's a mordecai mcdaniel game yes that that is Powerful that is powerful move by the parents. And then speaking of
2: uh legacies and, and things like that, uh Chad Johnson's son is in this recruiting class. He's going to be coached by none other than Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Mm. So I think he's gonna have a pretty good time uh there in uh in Arizona State and then also uh Mushin Muhammad's kid, uh going to Texas A and M. So what? part of that big, big recruiting class for the Aggies. So very excited uh to see some legacy receivers getting it going uh at the next level, starting this this coming year.
1: Mushi Muhammad Third. All right, I was going to ask if his name is also that. Um, yeah, I mean, we're getting to that point, and we have been for a while now, but you notice it with coaches, you know, someone like Juwan Howard coaching at Michigan in college basketball. Um, it's, you know, LeBron James' kid. Uh, there's so many that, you know, I think 10 years ago, you know, our, like, parents or people 10 years older than us would recognize a lot of these names, and to us, you know, they were just kind of new players, whereas now you recognize, I mean, Emmett Smith's son just committed, like, an hour ago before we came in here, so... Yeah, I mean, great to see it. Four-star recruit. Where's Where's Muhammad ending up? Um, he's at. He's going to A and M. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, do you want to talk about the Heisman at all? Not a ton to discuss. I mean, it went about as as everyone expected.
2: Yeah, I think I think that we talked about. Uh or you asked the trivia question like what was the highest percent or like win margin uh, of any Heisman player and we discussed how Burrow could probably challenge for that Uh, Mario I brought that question up to him he had you know he he thought that just objectively a 40 to 1 touchdown interception ratio the, the kind that Justin Fields had would warrant some you know uh, some serious discussion for number one, but I think overall, and it does, but at the same time, Burrow was just on such another level this year, even though he had only one more oh. total touchdown than fields did it just it was burrow's year like there there 's really nothing else you can say about it. I yeah. think i can 't wait for like fields versus Lawrence next year that 's going to be amazing, although we all kind of yeah. thought that Lawrence was going to be the runaway Heisman this year, but either way, uh I thought it was they picked the right four finalists it stunk that Jonathan Taylor never made it there in his three years that he's the best running back yep. of these last couple of seasons here so too bad about that but I'd say overall I mean it was clear uh that it was Burroughs I know that Jalen Hurts was wearing the the, sh- the sweatshirt that said Heisman with the uh arrow pointing to the left and he was standing next to Joe Burrow mm-hmm. so i mean he knew uh yeah. uh Joe Burrow said on on pardon my take that like uh Mr. hertz even like talked to him and was like oh yeah. congratulations you know before it even happened
1: i couldn't believe how candid he was yeah. about that i mean it, it's really refreshing it didn't it didn't come across as cocky or anything but no. yeah the way that he the, like they asked him straight up like did you know you were going to win and he's like yeah i knew i was going to win you, <laughs> like you never hear someone say it like that even though everyone else in the country knew it and i'm sure deep down he did know it um but yeah, it was cool. I mean, great speech. I think everything went about as expected. I think we both expected him to set the record, uh, even with Fields, you know, being a, a very deserving number two. Um, I mean, Burrow had Burrow had it all. I mean, the numbers plus the narrative, which sometimes guys have one or the other. And I mean, he had like three or four Heisman moments, like entire games that kind of served as his Heisman moment. And I guess for Fields, it just never, it never felt like he was able to grab the narrative, even to a small degree. Like I mean, Ohio State was rolling over everybody, but I think in some ways, like. It sounds weird to say, but you almost want to be in a close game that forces you to have some of those moments. And the fact that Ohio State never really faced any adversity whatsoever None. kind of prevented him from from having the type of moments that Burrow did against Texas or against um, Alabama.
2: Right, exactly. And and it's not like Ohio State played this cupcake schedule; like they were rolling over really good teams seemingly yep. every single week there. So, I mean. Yeah, you know he didn't even have the chance to do the, those things in high profile moments just because right. he had done enough already to put Ohio State like in the lead and you know kind of put the games to bed I thought if there was a Fields Heisman moment it was against Michigan when he came back in the game after uh, hurting his knee uh, first play he rolls out to his left and just throws a dime for a touchdown after Michigan and kind of started to like maybe make some noise to maybe come back yeah. and Fields just absolutely snuffs that out uh, on a bum knee that was That was an amazing moment. I thought Mm -hmm. that was definitely like the the moment that I'll remember from Fields' season this year. But Mm -hmm. Burrow had like a felt like one every single week from the Texas week onward.
1: I was actually in New York this past weekend, not for the presentation, of course, but um, they do it they do it at a theater right in right in Times Square, and we went to Times Square on Friday, and they were there were ads everywhere for you know Heisman Trophy presentation date time you know ESPN all that, and there was. You know, all every single promo had Joe Burrow's face. There was no mention of any anyone else who was even remotely related to college football. Like his face was on every single one of them. Like you, if you had had no idea what the Heisman Trophy was, you would just assume that this guy had already won it. So I think, um, not that it's a surprise to anybody, but I, I think you know everyone was pretty much prepared for for what happened on Saturday to to be the case. Yep. Yeah. I mean,
2: the, yeah. There's no other way mm-hmm. around it at that point. It's, it's funny that you were boots on the ground there, getting to see it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't catch any glimpses of them. Um, do you want to go to bowl by bowl breakdowns or kind of talk about the playoff uh, as a whole? Um, I think we, we, let's
2: get into the the playoff real quick and then and then we'll just, you know, quick and dirty hit the bowls yep. um, before we, uh, yeah. All right.
1: I think we have a great playoff field. Um, I, I think it's very clear, as I was saying to you off air, that Oklahoma is the team that you want to play out of these four, and that's saying a lot because Oklahoma is a very good team with an extremely experienced quarterback in these type of games. A lot of talent, um, you know, a receiver in C.D. Lamb who's as good as anybody in the country. Uh, they can score with everybody, but I think defensively, um, you know, there's going to be some issues there. And and I think if you're LSU, like we said on the pod two weeks ago, it was really really important to win convincingly in that conference title game um, and lock up that one seed because even though there are people out there who think Clemson hasn't proven anything this year. Um, after watching Oklahoma struggle with Baylor, which is a good team, but struggle with Baylor for the second time and, and really win a pretty sloppy Big 12 title game. And, and you have to wonder, you know, if you're Utah and you're saying, you know, what if we would have been able to beat Oregon? I think they probably slide in. Um, not a, not an extremely convincing uh, clinch of the number four spot for Oklahoma. Nope. And if you're LSU, I mean, you don't want to get overconfident, but you have to feel really good about this game and, I mean to me i think ohio state clemson is the one that i'm much more excited for even though i think lsu has been the most fun team to watch so far
2: yeah there's a really interesting article um that, that breaks down the s overall rankings of each seed throughout the playoff era and like the clemson i think is by far the strongest three seed that we've seen in the in the college football playoff um just ridiculous amount of i mean the the type of the type of rating that you would see on like a number two or number one seed but they're playing as the three seed here so it just goes yeah. to to show you how deep and talented the top end of this of this field is this year, with LSU obviously and Ohio State uh, leading the way, but Clemson obviously no joke. And like like you said, there was a lot of incentive to uh, make a lasting impression on the committee in Championship Weekend to try to try to avoid Clemson in Round One because I, I think this sets up as the single best semifinal matchup at least on paper. You know, we'll, we'll have mm-hmm. to see how it plays out. I, I'd still selfishly say that like the Georgia Rose Bowl was like the best semifinal game so far I think the Bama Ohio State game from the first year was also great but uh, this should be if it lives up to expectations it should mm-hmm. be the best semifinal game that we've seen to this point and I'm kind of leaning Clemson right now it's really tough to say um, I know that uh, s plus tends to favor Ohio State in this one by almost a touchdown actually which is a little bit surprising mm-hmm. uh, Ohio State I think is two point favor. or er, Clemson, I think, is two-point favorites in this one, actually. So um, uh, the numbers uh, sta- are going counter to Vegas in that one. Uh, Fields versus Lawrence, this game has it all. I think Ohio State probably has the better, more complete team, but it's not like Clemson is lagging behind really in any areas where they have any like mm-hmm. glaring weaknesses for Ohio State to exploit.
1: Yeah, um, I, I've seen it. I, I've seen plus or uh, Clemson minus two. Um, that's kind of the prevailing spread. You know, I think it was two and a half at some places. Um, but yeah, I, I think you almost have to give Clemson the benefit of the doubt because they returned so much, especially offensively, from last year's team. But I mean, I think there is an argument to be made that. Maybe you're able to kind of catch them off guard or, or blitz them early. You know, I don't think I don't think they're going to get blown out by any means. Or you're not going to be able to to take advantage of them over a full game. But they haven't faced anybody, any team that has the speed, the size, the strength of Ohio State at virtually every position this season. And I know they've taken care of business. You know, on the schedule that they were in some ways forced to play. You know, especially in conference. Uh, I don't have any qualms about Clemson being in here, being the number two seed, nothing like that, or the three seed. Um, but I mean, Ohio State has been tested, you know, almost inarguably to a higher degree than Clemson has, and I don't know if you can kind of simulate what Ohio State is bringing to the table, you know, in in bowl practices or against some of these opponents that they face this year.
2: Yeah, I don't know if if really uh, Clemson has what it takes, or at least the national narrative never ever talks about Clemson's offensive line, and that is going to be a huge huge factor in this game because if Chase Young is able to get loose we've seen time and time again what can happen and he can just physically by himself take a game over and wreck a game for for an opponent there so if Clemson's not smart about that if they're not smart about doubling or or doing whatever it is they need to do to scheme it up uh, get Trevor Lawrence rolling away from from his side of the field whatever it needs to be uh, to get to neutralize Chase Young's impact Clemson needs to take care of that right away and then I think in terms of like individual matchups here uh, like Jeffrey Akuda, the cornerback for Ohio State going up against either T Higgins or Justin Ross T Higgins insane down the stretch by the way in terms of his uh, production there I know he just absolutely crushed it against Virginia but he had been crushing it uh, before then as well um, so him versus Akuda is going to be really really interesting or if it's Ross I, d- I don't know if Ohio State does the shadow coverage thing okay. or not necessarily but either way like that's going to be amazing and then on the other other side, I feel like Clemson... Their defense isn't as like name brand as it was a year ago. Obviously, where they had Dexter Lawrence and and Christian Wilkins and all these guys, uh, but they still have Isaiah Simmons. He's the one that everyone will be talking about. Uh, his ability to you know get things going uh, defensively and and stop stop Fields. I think him being the athletic equal to Fields is going to be huge there mm-hmm. as well. And, and being able to stop Fields from from like you know breaking free of a sack and making a play deep down the field because that's where he's been really assassinating people this year as well.
1: So looking at the Oklahoma LSU game, quick. I mean, I, I don't want to just gloss over this because it is a national semifinal game. Um, and it does feel like some people have already kind of handed this to LSU, and I, I think they're going to have to earn it. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's not going to be to the, to the degree of like Alabama Michigan State a few years ago, where like that that to me felt like an even bigger mismatch than this. Um, but the spread's fourteen points, which is massive for what's essentially a Final Four game.
2: Yeah, it's one of the biggest spreads of the entire bowl slate. Yeah so I mean that that goes to show you just I think it's more credit to LSU than yeah than anti-Oklahoma I think I think you're right I think you're characterizing that right and that, that's how I would say it too I mean Oklahoma has been fine this year obviously very good very quality very deserving of being in here but like you said sloppy against Baylor twice Baylor is nowhere near what LSU is LSU just does not stop scoring so when you get into that situation where Oklahoma has to feels like it has to score every single possession, and I know there aren't many other teams that you would trust in that situation right. than Oklahoma, but at the same time, that wears on you. And LSU, I know its defense isn't as good as it usually is, but it's still like a top twenty defense overall. Whereas Oklahoma is well further down, mm-hmm. so uh, I I do feel like LSU should win this one rather comfortably. Maybe Oklahoma, you know, has the horses to keep this com- or, uh, yep. competitive early, but I think in the end, LSU pulls away
1: so what do you want to happen neither of us have a stake in this whatsoever you know wisconsin and georgia are are out of it and playing in their own bowls that we'll get to in a little bit but just now as kind of an impartial observer um you know after what happened in the sec title game like what 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 do you think is the most fun narrative i guess for how this all plays out
2: um i i hope that again that 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 Ohio State uh, Clemson game like lives up to the hype, but then in the championship game, I would love to see LSU versus Ohio State. I, I think that those are the two best teams, and, and you know Burrow getting to go up against his own school like that's that's narrative town, baby. I mean that's that's just great. I, I think that'd be so fun. Um, this Ohio State team is a juggernaut and LSU is is right up there with them and probably a little bit ahead of them Mm -hmm. I I would I would be be flip-flopping until probably kickoff as for as for who I thought was going to win that game because I I think that they are that equal they're both talented to that extent Um, if Clemson makes it uh, against LSU I think that would make for a really fun championship as well Mm -hmm. but overall as a neutral observer like you said I want to see LSU Ohio State
1: yeah i uh i definitely want to see lsu i I think it would it would not be good for college football or really for anyone but oklahoma if if somehow that they pulled an upset and i just i just don't really see that that happening but i I don't really have a strong preference between clemson and ohio state i mean when it's when it's big 10 season i'm rooting against ohio state with every bone in my body but at some point you have to respect how good and how fun to watch a lot of these guys are and um I, i think clemson's you know the same way in a lot of ways but um I don't know i I think lawrence versus burrow would be fun although i I hadn't even considered the burrow ohio state narrative
2: that's right yeah and i mean uh he played with chase young and uh all that good stuff so i mean he he knows he knows ryan day i'm sure ryan day coached Mm -hmm. him up you know back way back when so uh there there would be a lot of you know know know-how uh there uh, Mm because joe burrow is like a ohio like high school legend right
1: and the game is, a, is in New Orleans, so LSU has oh, to be. Oh, gosh, because that's Because that right. is going to be, I don't, I don't know how they do the ticket sales. I'm sure they wouldn't, you know, it's not like LSU would be able to buy up 100% of them. But, I mean, that would be an all-time crowd type of game. And it, it really does feel like LSU is is kind of a team of destiny, which, which I know can be a little bit of an overused cliche, but um it's just it would be really hard for me to imagine this we, we haven't seen them lose you know like when joe burrow is a starting quarterback this season they've rolled over everybody and like, I, I just can't imagine a scenario where he throws like two picks and just has a terrible game because he, he hasn't even had like an average game this year
2: no no i mean like the closest thing to it would be like against auburn or something and he still hmm. played really well in that game so yeah uh that that this team i think is so different from the lsu teams that have won won titles in the past the less miles ones that are just completely just like pound you into dust uh, type of thing. I think that this LSU, like the fact that LSU is legitimately fun Mm -hmm. to watch for like, even like just your casual fan, it makes this team so much more likable. And I I think that there's a a greater general excitement about what's going on with this LSU program and what this year means for the rest of, or for these coming seasons. And we talked about it with recruiting Mm -hmm. and everything like that. I mean, it's just, it's just totally a different vibe from LSU now.
1: We're actually watching uh, in the studio right now the 2004 Sugar Bowl. It's 38-year-old Jason White. Play. Yeah, the the Jason White Oklahoma versus LSU and they just flashed a graphic um that said LSU's defense is allowing 10.8 points per game this season. So it's a little bit of a different story. Oklahoma's offense in in 2003 was averaging like 46 points per game and I mean like you said, I mean LSU isn't that team that's you know basically holding teams to one touchdown a game anymore, but when you're scoring to the degree they are and still playing good defense it it evens out and i think they you can almost tell like the way that the players talk about the program like they're almost more excited about it you know you've heard oh yeah burrow himself said you know he's had a lot of former players come to him and say like i wish we played like this when i was in school and i I think that's gonna help with recruiting like you said and it's just it's very clear that every single player loves playing this style and and it's it's evident when you watch it even on tv
2: yeah it really is and you know ask any ask any player pretty much like i I, th- I think even like the the old salt bama guys like they, they probably enjoy the fact that they have opened up the offense right. now or and you know i think that there are probably georgia people right now that lament that they are so heavily yeah. skewed towards the defense and that when they can't score then they just get put in the in this huge mm-hmm. bind so i mean it, it's it's very stark uh contrast there but yeah basically offense is more fun
1: yeah all right let's go uh bowl by bowl here um do you want to start with the makers wanted bahamas bowl which is rapidly approaching this comes to us on friday afternoon at 2 p.m eastern yes so i i'm
2: going buffalo in this one i think that buffalo i would put anywhere between like 15 and 18 confidence points on that i'm not sure about the spread i think charlotte could probably cover that six and a half points buffalo has a really devastating rushing attack and charlotte has been pretty late leaky against the run uh this year so i think that that's where the edge is going to be gained for buffalo buffalo like a top 10 rushing offense i believe um and and you know when you narrow that scope down to like non-option teams they're like close to like a top five rushing attack with jared patterson um so i think that that star power alone will carry them but charlotte uh really great story this year for them uh they hired austin pease head coach will healy and he's really i mean he's already delivered them to a bowl game and if you're a player and you and you're like a group of five at a group of five school is there a better bowl game to go to than the i mean other than when it was the popeyes bahamas bowl it doesn't get much better than this
1: yeah, I mean, if you got to go play the University of Buffalo somewhere, you'd prefer that it's not going to be in Buffalo. Um, yeah, I, I'm 100% with you on that. I know in the past, like this, some of these bowls that are, um, you know, for neither, for both of these teams, you know, it's fairly close. At least they're, they're both East Coast. But like some teams, like if you're a low budget, you know, low end group of five school from like California or New Mexico State, something like that, for example, like that's a really expensive trip to send your entire football team and staff to the Bahamas. Um, so I, I know that's, like, caused some issues for smaller schools in the past, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to be a problem this year.
2: Yeah, I think that they they usually try to keep this matchup uh, between, like, the MAC and the Conference USA, I'm pretty sure. So it, it eliminates, yeah, like, having to send New Mexico State out there most of the time, but, um, yeah, uh, and... You know, it does kind of limit some of the fun options for those uh, smaller west west coast schools, you know, the your, your New Mexico bulls and so on and so mm. forth. But yeah. I love the Bahamas Bowl. It's always really weird. There there's always just, it's it feels like the you know, if someone runs out of the end zone, they're gonna run straight into the yeah. ocean type of thing. It's just
1: <laughs> it, it looks like a stadium, like especially on TV, it looks like a stadium from like backyard football. From Firefest. Yeah. Like they probably housed people in Firefest <laughs> there. Uh, okay, so next up we have the uh, tropical smoothie cafe frisco pull
2: <laughs> what are we doing there um so yeah basically the big story here is jordan love and gerald bright both got uh arrested w- with uh with uh the devil's lettuce no earlier this week i oh know my. just what were they doing a- with absolutely devastated i'm i'm sure that they had just taken them taken it from a friend to you know show them the dangers of oh, uh I, using marijuana so that's
1: disgusting I,
2: horrifying so i mean i'm morally opposed I'm not, to yet, utah I state i don't
1: feel comfortable talking about this
2: but uh basically if jordan love doesn't play uh put put like 10 confidence points on kent state is what is what i have okay. to say kent state hot down the stretch too they they were scoring up a lot of points and they won like three straight uh to end the season so i actually yeah. like kent state there
1: yeah you could really say that they smoked some teams <laughs> you sure could all right let's move to saturday uh we have we start with the celebration bowl alcorn state against north carolina a&t uh this one is this is like the hbcu bowl basically right correct Uh, i I have to admit i don't know a ton about the celebration bowl but this one is at mercedes-benz stadium always a fun game um i like they do like the drumline thing at halftime right yes Yes. yeah they do okay that that's my the extent of my knowledge of the celebration bowl do you have any thoughts on on how this is going to play out
2: uh, who's playing in it again?
1: Alcorn State and North Carolina a and
2: T. I I feel like they, they always make it, so credit to them, but uh, Steve yeah. McNair went to Alcorn State, so yes. give me Alcorn State.
1: Yeah, all right. I have no complaints about that. The New Mexico Bowl, also on Saturday, this one comes to us at 2 p.m. from Albuquerque, New Mexico, Dream Style Stadium, and this is Central Michigan against San Diego State.
2: Uh, you know, San Diego State is this team that it's like the friend that you don't want to invite but you kind of have to like that they, they always make the bowl games but they are never fun to watch um I mean even like when like Rashad Penny or Danelle Pumphrey were there there's at name. least a little bit of like star power there but I mean this is a nine and three San Diego State team that is that is like near the bottom rung as far as scoring offense it's near the top as far as scoring defense and, and yards allowed so I think Central Michigan probably in trouble here I think that San Diego State's w- State wins this one I know that the Rotowire metrics have it as, as like a 15-9 to 9 game. So that, that that lets you know that this is going to be hideous. Uh, take the under. Uh, the over-under is sitting at like 41. I don't think that there will be 41 points scored in this one. So I like San Diego State. I used like uh, a pretty decent amount of confidence on them. I think like somewhere around 18 mm-hmm. or 19, and I, I like them to cover the spread as well. Central Michigan, like good season for them. McElwain did a good job there. Now that he's like v- coaching very away, uh, far away from shark-infested waters, yeah so there's no temptations on boats anything like that
1: yeah i mean the lakes are
2: freezing this time of year see exactly so so he's been able to focus on football uh jonathan ward's been a really fun player to watch at at central michigan uh so hopefully he'll end his career out nicely but san diego state Mm -hmm. just plays such a grinding style that i think they come away with the win here
1: yeah they uh this will be their 10th straight bowl which is which is great Uh, but they have never reached higher than 19th in the AP poll at any point during this run. A lot of points set of bowls. Yes. You know, a lot of Bowl and our Forces Bowl. Yeah, they're they're basically whatever like those bottom seven bowls are, you can just pencil them in for one of those each year. All right, we have the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. This comes to us from Orlando, Florida at 2.30 Eastern on Saturday. The Liberty Flames against Georgia Southern uh liberty just gave hugh freeze
2: an extension i think so like that they, they love the freeze daddy there i hope they get him back on the hospital bed for this game or something to really rally the troops although i guess they they did lose the game where he did coach from the hospital yeah. bed so it didn't feel like a loss tomato tomato tomato. yeah that's all we remember from that one so because who remembers syracuse but uh i think southern just plays that that brand of football where w- when you have two teams that aren't familiar with each other you know southern runs that option it's just going to be hell on liberty over the course of 60 minutes. Uh, uh, so Southern, now that they have everyone back in the fold, they had some suspensions and some injuries earlier in the season. Uh, they, they are healthy at the right time. So I like them to win this one. I put a, um, not a huge amount of confidence, like mid, mid to high teens on them, but I, I like them covering the four points here as well.
1: The Cherry Bundy Boca Raton Bowl from FAU Stadium in Boca Raton, Florida. This home field a,
2: advantage for for the owls here
1: it'd be really weird to play a bowl game at your home stadium right i've always thought that
2: yeah that would be kind of lame i mean like i guess hawaii like yeah. you're not allowed to complain because you're in hawaii and boca raton yeah, well, you could probably travel. argue but um yeah
1: it, wouldn't, it would be really tough to get up for that game i feel like
2: i i do too yeah especially on the fau side plus mm. lane's gone right so I mean, this was like low key a very good Florida Atlantic team. I I thought that, you know, two years ago, they were one of the best group of five teams. Last year, they kind of took a step back, but this year they were great um, and flying under the radar. Um, But I think SMU, with all of its pieces, I think SMU was one of the the better, if not, uh, you know, like a top three, top four type of group of five team Mm -hmm. uh, this year. Really explosive offense. Shane Bouchel, Reggie Roberson, James Proche, the list goes on. So, and Xavier Jones as well. Um so Kylan granson Uh I like SMU in this one. I like them a decent like the numbers suggest that this is gonna be pretty close, but I think the numbers also don't account for like you said, the the players not necessarily getting up for this on the FAU side, Kiffin being gone. Mm-hmm. So I give the edge to SMU. I put like a pretty decent amount of confidence points on there, like high twenties
1: yeah i I hacked into the mainframe earlier and saw the the preliminary draft of our rotowire bowl picks article which which i assume will be on the site in the next couple of days here i think everybody had smu so it's kind of like the post lane bump of you know just losing your coach not knowing what's next and and having to play you know a pretty good team in smu
2: exactly yeah i think that smu guys will will come into this one really uh ready to play here so I, i like them in this
1: one up next we have the camellia bowl um, I'm currently googling what camellia is. Do you know what that is off the top of your head? I know that. Oh, well, it's
2: a type of flower or something. I, I think like Middle Tennessee
1: genus of flowering plants. Did
2: uh, Middle Tennessee and App State play in this one last year? I think I think that might be right. Oh, it's a, it's in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay, interesting. But yeah. Um, this is not a game I'm particularly excited about. What I will sell you on is that Omar Bayless is really, really fun to watch. Kirk Merritt, also really fun to watch from that Arkansas State um, passing attack. A couple of dominant receivers. If you play fantasy, if you listen uh, or if you you know read the articles throughout the course of the year, you know who those guys are. Omar Bayless, 1,473 yards, 16 receiving touchdowns this year. So uh, at least he's fun to watch. FIU, pretty good against the pass, but I'm not sure it's going to matter when, when they're facing guys uh, this good so i I side arkansas state with like a low teens confidence
1: um yeah so the camellia bowl in 2018 was georgia southern against eastern michigan that's what it was okay that was a 23 21 victory for georgia southern
2: i remember sweating that one out that was crazy (laughs) where were you
1: when i was driving to chicago i remember it and
2: following it on my phone (laughs) (laughs)
1: It, it was really bad and really unsafe all right, we. Uh, this is one that I'm really excited about. The Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. The winner, I think, gets a 2003 Mitsubishi Eclipse with underglow. I'm and, pretty sure. And and Nas
2: and, Nas and a, a custom spoiler with exhibits smiling and and giving you the
1: thumbs up on it. Uh, this is Boise State against Washington. I heard you uh, like blue. <laughs> I feel uh, this is one where I think I picked Boise State because I it, like. This is not where Washington thought it was going to be um you know even like five weeks ago but the las vegas bowl for for some teams a great bowl to be in um you know eastern michigan for example would love to be in the las vegas bowl but if you're washington i don't know how you get up for this game other than you can maybe pitch the let's win it for chris peterson his final game possibly ever um I, does that really mean anything to you, or, or do you think Washington goes into this one just kind of tail between its legs? Well, f- first off, you, some say that
2: Ypsilanti-Michigan is
1: the Vegas of, of
2: Michigan, so um, I just wanted to throw that out there. All but, right. um, yeah, th- this one does have a lot of narratives, and it all revolves around Chris Peterson, right, because he used to coach Boise State. Uh, Boise State, I think, is pretty excited to be able to, to get a notch in its belt here against its former coach, a, a you know very high-profile, respected Power 5 program like Washington within that same region. And yeah, like you said, man, like Washington – I know they're favored, and I know the numbers do kind of uh, tilt this in the Washington direction. But I think Boise State comes to play here in a way that Washington doesn't. Washington's seven and five this year. Um, I think that Eason could make some mistakes. They're going to be without Hunter Bryant, uh, that star tight end here. I think Boise comes to play here and gets the win. So I'm put it, I'm putting like around ten points, ten confidence points or so, and obviously I like them to cover mm. this one as well. Because yeah, I just got a icky feeling about Washington, even this with even with this being Peterson's uh, last game at UW.
1: Yeah, I've had that feeling uh, about Washington really since kind of middle of the season when it, it it was pretty clear that this was not the team that a lot of people thought it might be. It,
2: it had a chance to really kind of get things rolling when it was up on Oregon, and mm-hmm. it just kind of let that slip. And they were at home, and they let that slip through, through their fingers and just kind of were in a malaise after that, I felt like.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. We have the R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl, Appalachian State, versus uab this one always also i should say at the mercedes-benz superdome in new orleans this is a night game on the 22nd uh what, what's your feel on, on app state versus uab
2: um app state obviously they're dealing with their own co- coaching uh turnover this is the second year in a row where they've had to deal with that uh with, with um drink now going off to missouri and last year they lost satterfield um to louisville um so that they, they've They know what to do. They know how to respond. Zach Thomas, an experienced quarterback, going to be able to lead them through it. I think there's a very good reason why, despite the coaching change, we still see App State as 16.5-point favorites. So I put App State pretty, pretty high up in my confidence pools. I I think... baseline of like 35 or some somewhere in that neighborhood would be a good place to start you can put them as high as 39 honestly if you want to uab good but uh good defensively but they're pretty atrocious offensively um and i think that app state's gonna be able to kind of put the squeeze on them uh there and i just don't see uab being able to keep up with with uh, on the scoreboard. uh so with that give me app state big
1: app state big all right i love it the bad boy mowers gasparilla bowl comes to us on Monday. This is Central Florida against Marshall at Raymond James Stadium, the house that Mike Allstott built in Tampa, Florida. 2.30, kickoff uh, again on Monday. This one's on ESPN. UCF or Marshall?
2: Uh, UCF big also in this one. But give me Central Florida by a lot. This is not a good Marshall team. And uh, UCF, I mean, they're like, what, 17-point favorites in this one? So uh, I, I'm buying it. that It's it's near their uh, – it's not – in their backyard the way it would be if this was a south florida game but uh central florida a very very strong nine and three season i thought this year so I-, I like them in this one pretty pretty big
1: there's no case for byron leftwich you know Raheem cato yeah, like, I, I get mean, it Chad pennington maybe gives them a speech before the game and really hypes everybody up like that you'd that you don't think that would matter.
2: I saw a commercial with Chad Pennington recently. I think he's doing some sort of high school coach. He's like coaching some like tiny little high school program startup thing. So
1: commercial. I hope
2: that goes well. Yeah, but um, other than that, I don't okay. think that there's a whole lot going for this Marshall team. They're eight and four. Uh, they, they've done well for themselves, but and central floridas is better they're just faster they're a lot faster i think that's going to be like the big stark uh takeaway when you watch okay. this one I, I, it's unfortunate this one is the standalone monday bowl game
1: yeah okay fair enough byron Leftwich was never really known for his speed so i understand all right christmas eve on tuesday the sofi hawaii bowl the only game on christmas eve uh this one kicks off at 8 p.m eastern we have hawaii against byu Yet again Hawaii is playing in its own stadium in Honolulu. Uh what
2: do you what's like your tradition for this game? Like how much do you like is it strictly family time on Christmas Eve? I mean like usually we get home from dinner and then like mm. pour some bourbon and and watch, and watch the Hawaii yeah. Bowl. That's usually how we kind of treat this game. So I I look forward to it from that regard. I don't love watching BYU play. Um Uh, But yeah, I asked you a question, my bad. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, it's going to take me a really long time to recount my entire... Uh, hawaii bowl tradition i mean usually we gather both sides of the family no i i do typically watch we it. Light because, a torch <laughs> right I, I do watch it i, I throw on my Colt brennan jersey go grab my devon best jersey wear it to church um, afterward get my ryan Grice mullen jersey but no oh we God. uh yeah that's a pull we uh i do watch it because there's no nba on, on christmas eve and college basketball is usually extremely light if there are any games um so yeah, no, I mean, my I will say my family shows very little interest in this game or college football as a whole. I don't think either of my parents would know any players on the Badgers or know anything about them this year. So there's been a distinct lack of interest in the Whalen household, um, basically for my entire life, with the exception of me, but... Um, it's also been nice because my parents are not TV people whatsoever, so I just kind of have full control and there we go. throw on the Hawaii Bowl and nobody complains.
2: Love that. And uh, I think my favorite Hawaii Bowl memory was Ed Oliver being like questionable for the game a couple years ago because he had previously like stepped on a sea yep. urchin earlier in the week. So, <laughs> uh feel bad for that sea urchin another
1: victim of the sea urchin
2: gosh they're they're all over the place but um i like i like byu in this one i know that they're seven and five as opposed to hawaii's nine and five hawaii um you know they have that explosive offense um but it's probably when you look at the actual numbers it's not quite as good as you might think it's like a top 30 offense it's not it's not like that top 15 top 10 that you might expect
1: that's like last place by hawaii standards
2: yeah exactly exactly so byu who also just has a knack for like playing dirty and knocking people around for a religious school or whatever i hope i'm not making too many people mad they they do just play a nasty brand of football i think that's it's going to be a rude awakening for hawaii so i like byu in this one i put like uh like 14 or 15 on them in my confidence pool
1: all right so we take christmas day off uh, that's that. That belongs to the NBA, but right back at it on Thursday, the 26th, the Walk-Ons Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana, Independence Stadium this is kind of a home game for Louisiana Tech against the Miami Hurricanes, who also don't have too far to travel here.
2: That's right. I would like to get your opinion in terms of like the mentality for Miami coming into this one, because this seems like such an easy spot for them to sleepwalk. Like, I don't think that they're going to sleepwalk under Manny Diaz, but I think you'd be naive to like rule that out completely.
1: Yeah, this I mean, it reminds me a lot of the Washington situation, right? I mean, I would say maybe to an even more extreme degree. Like, I don't know how you convince these four star kids on your roster to like really go give it their all against Louisiana Tech in the Walk Ons Independence Bowl. It's literally called the Walk Ons Bowl. Yeah. Um, no, I, that was kind of my thought as well. And that's the reason I went with Louisiana Tech.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going Louisiana Tech here too. I'm picking them to win just to kind of like separate myself. I have like a you know like seven or eight confidence points on them. I just I have my doubts about Miami showing up, but if Miami does show up. Uh, you know the the big difference between these major power five programs and the and these like you know strong but not quite there um group of five schools is often the size up front and miami has some true game records on along the defensive line especially so if those guys want to get after it uh then we could see a buzzsaw situation yeah, it's, it's here it's a matter of whether miami just yeah chooses so to, it all comes down to, to that um you know two years ago or whatever florida state had that option to kind of phone it in against southern miss and they actually ended up like blowing them out pretty right good um Audentate tate had a bunch of touchdowns in that game so it's it's a question of like you said whether miami decides to get out of bed and and, and do the damn thing on uh, the day after christmas okay. i will side with louisiana
1: tech okay please watch your language for the remainder of the podcast we have
2: to put the explicit tag on this one <laughs>
1: uh the quick lane bowl uh which is also on thursday the 26th we get Pittsburgh against Eastern Michigan, and what's going to be a packed Ford Field coming out to see this Eastern Michigan team? That's right, that that big home field advantage there.
2: But I like Pitt in this one. I think there's a reason they're double-digit favorites in this one. That we have uh, just some of the worst. Uh, offenses going in this one. Uh, we have a we have a bad or like a mediocre pit defense. Um, in my confidence pick article, I, I use the gif of Ed Helms in the office getting his like eye like emergency rinsed out mm-hmm. uh, by Craig Robinson. Um, so. Uh, looking at the numbers here uh, Pitt's defense 11th I'm sorry in S&P plus so they're they're strong but Pitt's offense 116th in the country Eastern Michigan's defense 118th in the country so weakness versus weakness Um, it's going to be gross um, but I still think Pitt overall Pitt has like that that ability to just kind of waste away teams that aren't aren't quite as good as them so I think that they're just going to do that
1: props to Chris Creighton by the way at eastern michigan and i know they're six and six they haven't won more than seven games uh since he took over but this is a team that from 1975 all the way through 2016 had been to one bowl game wow and that was the california bowl in 1987 they went to no bowls from 1988 to 2015 holy sm- starting yeah, in two thousand 2000- thirty years starting in t- i'm just going to keep rolling off these depressing stats starting in 2006 these are their win totals from 06 to 15 1 4 3 0 Zero wins, two, six, two, 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 one. And now the last four years have been seven, five, seven, six. This is an extremely tough school to win at. And I, I think, honestly, like seven or eight wins is kind of the max that you can ask for. And he's done about as well as he could, especially considering he was a combined three and 21 in his first two years.
2: I mean, you, you look at RotoWire uh, d- director of advertising, uh, Shannon McEwen, and you understand mm-hmm. that uh, Eastern Michigan spits out a, gr- a gritty uh, type of graduate and, yeah. and i think that uh, this program has obviously responded to that under under this head coach and gotten itself turned around nicely i wish they pulled a a, a more fair opponent for this one a mm-hmm. non-group of or non-power five one because uh, like you said it has been a nice story there for eastern michigan
1: yeah they i should note they have not won a bowl they the one bowl game that they played in in 87 they won uh, they have not won either the last two they were in the camellia last year and then the they were actually in the bahamas bowl in 2016, right 16 so good for them um but yeah eastern michigan earl boykins you we have on friday december 27th the military bowl presented by northrop grumman i don't know what that is this is at navy marine corps memorial stadium in annapolis maryland and we have north carolina going up against jv and dane and temple
2: so you know that um there there are always those articles this time of year as to what the gift suites are for each bowl yes uh Oh, Northrop Grumman would not release what they're giving the players, so it's it's very uh, you know high up the ladder as far as uh, the gifts given um, to to these kids in in the military bowl. Um, I'll say no more on that. Um, but as far as North Carolina Temple goes,
1: wait, so wait, hold on. So do people think they're giving away things that they shouldn't give away, or it's just like no, really, no like really like, underwhelming?
2: Yeah, like, no, like Northrop Grumman, I think, is like a weapons manufacturer or something. So like
1: well, everybody's <laughs> getting a gun. <laughs>
2: Just Mac Brown, just armed to the teeth on the <laughs> sidelines in Rambo outfit.
1: <laughs> oh my God!
2: So yeah, that's basically what I'm implying there. We're we're gonna see um, some Duke Nukem looking guys out there on the, on the sidelines <laughs> as as the bull reps. Um, I hope I don't get put on a list for that. But um, yeah, UNC. I mean, Sam Howell just had an incredible year. I mean, he threw thirty-five touchdowns as a true freshman. Like that is preposterous. He's a freshman All-American quarterback. Um, Temple is good. That they're, they're that classic Temple tough team. Um, they're pretty good on, on offense. A little bit clunky at times, but they have talent. They have talent, especially at the receiver position. So if they're all healthy and ready to, ready to go, they should keep this close. Um, but I like North Carolina to win this one. I put like 23 confidence points on them. But I, I could
1: see Temple covering the five, if, if, uh, you know, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the list of, uh, of gift suites now for, for each bowl. And they're, uh, for the ones that we've covered so far, they are not great. I will tell you that. You get a pair of board shorts for playing in the Bahamas Bowl. That's pretty chill. You get a Yeti Rambler bottle you get a string backpack and you get a towel you gotta have
2: a towel i mean you're near the beach
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so going forward i'll I'll highlight uh some of the some of the gifts from from each suite for each game and like you said the this is from a 247 article and for the military bowl it just says quote attempts to obtain the list from the committee were (laughs) unsuccessful (laughs) top secret baby all right we have the new era pinstripe bowl michigan state against wake forest finally starting to get into some better matchups here this one is of course at yankee stadium a 320 Uh, Eastern kickoff uh, on December 27th. Uh, What's your read here on what's been a a pretty underwhelming year for Michigan State against a Wake Forest team that has showed some signs and and has a you know a strong quarterback
2: right so I I would feel better about this for Wake Forest if they had uh, Sage Surratt still but uh, obviously he's done for the year Um, I think that they also are dinged up at at, with like Scotty Washington but Michigan State has like the 90th rated offense in the country as far as S&P goes I mean that's that's pretty bottom of the barrel and you know that lines up with what we've seen with our eyes to this point in the season so if Wake Forest can you know put up a fight defensively and you know hold Michigan State to like 20 21 points here i think that they they can just score enough i mean they run so many plays wake forest does that over the course of the game with jamie newman back there pulling the trigger i like wake Forest's chances of of not only covering this one but winning outright i put like five or six confidence points on that though so not a huge number because michigan state's defense is that good to you know maybe muck things up enough to get sparty the win there but Mm -hmm. i'd say looking at this objectively i like i like wake forest's side on this one
1: Gift suite here includes a JBL gift card and, quote, a variety of new era products.
2: Yeah, so, I, was, I was hoping just a bunch of, like, respect hats with, with yeah. the with the two on there that was, like, left over from, from the Jeter retirement tour.
1: Yeah. The Academy Sports Plus Outdoors Texas Bowl, this is at NRG Stadium in Houston, Oklahoma State against Kellen Mond and Texas A&M. <sighs>
2: Like Mike, like uh, Mike Gundy said, this is maybe the best seven and five team I've ever seen. Like when it comes <laughs> when it comes to A and M, they were really good this year for for a five loss team. I like A and M in this one. I like that. Like the seven points is, is tough to really pick a side as far as covering goes, especially if Chuba Hubbard plays in this, which I think is the expectation. And um, if they get Spencer Sanders back too, then then that's huge. Although Drew Brown was okay at quarterback uh, for the cow, for the Pokes there, but. I think A&M top to bottom is the better team. I think Jimbo gets them up and ready to go in this one. So I have A&M uh, in the mid to high 20s. I have like 26, 27 uh, confidence points on them. I just I just think that they're the better mm-hmm. team. And they, they can just out-physical Oklahoma State. I think that Isaiah Spiller in that run game and, and Kellen Mond also running it too is just going to end up being a bit of a problem for OK State.
1: Yeah, we talked about Texas A&M back in September as one of those teams, I think Auburn was the other, that just had these insane schedules. Mm-hmm. And you can maybe be critical of Jimbo for not winning some of these games that i wouldn't even say are 50-50 were like, you know, 70-30 type of games, 80-20 type of games. I mean, they they beat everybody that they were supposed to beat and lost everybody that they were supposed to lose to. I mean, their five losses are Clemson, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. I mean, those those are about the way that schedules work out. You really couldn't have five better losses.
2: You lose like what? Like four top 10 teams in that yeah. span? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're losing to Two teams that are in the playoff in, in Clemson and LSU, one that was just outside in Georgia, one that was one drive away in Alabama, and then, I mean, the, the worst loss that they have is Auburn. That's
2: crazy. It's crazy,
1: yeah. And they, they only lost that game by a touchdown, granted, it was at home. Um, the gift suite for this one, you get an Academy Sports Outdoors gift card, you get a cowboy hat, a belt buckle, a bandana a duffel bag, a shoe bag and a toiletry bag.
2: Okay, I like leaning into into the Texasness yeah, of this. So theme. so I approve. I approve. Okay. I, I I would like that gift suite if I was a student athlete.
1: The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl comes to us, of course, from San Diego at SDCCU Stadium. San Diego County Credit Union is all over this bowl. USC against Iowa. And what's kind of an, an underratedly fun Uh, Pac-12 Big Ten matchup
2: yeah this is going to be good this this was a tough one to decide I know that like uh, USC has a top 10 offense Iowa has a top 10 defense so that's going to be a really nice strength on strength that we get to watch there Um, and I think that that could be the determining factor in this game Mm -hmm. if USC's offense can't get it going then I like Iowa in this one fairly comfortably definitely by more than two Um, but if USC can you know push the envelope um, you know they have Michael Pittman who's going to be playing in this one even though he's a senior I think Tyler vons is going to be playing uh we we like what we've seen from keaton slovis throughout the course of this season so this is this is going to be one of the better power five on power five games i think of this entire bowl season saying all these nice things about usc i still like cagey old kirk ferentz to to find his way to to getting the win i have iowa at like uh, i don't feel great about having them this high but there are so many other coin flips i have them at like 21 as far as my confidence picks go
1: yeah, I, I tend to lean toward Iowa. They've just been, to me, a little bit more consistent. USC has proven that it can beat good teams. It's also proven that it can lose to virtually anyone uh, in the Pac-12, at least. And, yeah, I, I think Iowa is, is a team that, you know, if USC does make a couple of those mistakes, you know, like you alluded to, um, you know, this one could, could go Iowa's way pretty quickly. All right, we have a, a big, big bowl, one that I am extremely excited to talk about, the Cheez-It Bowl.
2: This is insane.
1: The Cheez-It Bowl. it's just called the cheesy bowl Mm -hmm. and it is at chase field a baseball stadium as you may recall this is in phoenix air force against washington state mike leach is playing in the cheesy bowl
2: mike leach against a service academy like can there can there be like two further opposite ends of the spectrum that then you know the washington state air raid you know from the like king of the air raid or the direct yes
1: (laughs) air raid on air raid
2: That, that is that was really good um yeah, Air Force. I think I just tend to defer to option teams in bowl games. I just think that they're just such hell to play against yeah. that, um, and they're so different to prepare for than, than um, you know anything else out there. So Washington State they if they can stay on schedule and, and do their thing, then then I think that they'll make this one close. But honestly, like I think Air Force wins this one. I think I've, at first I was a little bit shocked to see that the, the spread favored Air Force, but Air Force has been really good this year. They're they're a 10 and two team. They rank in the top 30 in terms of S&P as, a, as a, an entire team. Washington State obviously good and can put up points here, but I don't think they're gonna be able to stop a nosebleed in this one.
1: Okay, we move now to the December 28th slate and the Camping World Bowl in Orlando, Florida. Notre Dame against Iowa State. Uh, I feel like, have these teams ever played? Like I can't can't even picture what this game is going to look like. And has anyone who went to Notre Dame ever gone camping?
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, they've gone glamping, right? Right. Um, So... Um, you know, like a full on RV with, with all the necessities and, and then mm-hmm. some, you know, a, a nicer RV than like my apartment type of deal. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think a Notre Dame, I don't fancy a Notre Damesman to be an outdoorsman. Iowa state lives outdoors so that they have, there's a good edge there. Um, this one being down in Florida makes it nice and weird. I think I, I go with Notre Dame in this one at, at around like 22 confidence points. Um, Iowa State is better, I'd say, than their 7-5 and five record would, would indicate. You, know, you remember they almost beat Oklahoma on the road on that Saturday night. Um, they
1: beat Played Texas tough, too, didn't they? I think
2: they beat Texas. Yeah, um, really
1: tough. Tough enough to beat them. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I like this Iowa State team. I love Brock Purdy and everything, but Notre Dame really complete on both sides of the ball, like a top twenty-five on offense and defense. I think that's just enough for me to give Notre Dame the edge here.
1: The Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, AT and T Stadium, Jerry World in Texas, Penn State against Memphis. I've,
2: you know, I think that we can remove the. Are they going to get up for it this one when it comes to Penn State? I think that they they wouldn't want to, you know, be that be the guys that lost to the to like the number one Group of Five team, and then also Memphis. Doesn't have Mike Norvell anymore. He's down at Florida State, obviously. Um, This is a this is a good Memphis team. I I agree with them being the number one rated uh, group of five team this year. They were awesome on offense and you know pretty lights out on defense as well. But um, I think that they can get into some trouble against the run here. And I think Penn State, whether it's Sean Clifford or or Will Levis uh, back there at quarterback, um, I think that they're going to be able to facilitate the run game with 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 Journey Brown and everybody like that um, to get this going and just kind of steamroll Memphis when they have the ball. Um, Memphis can you know put up some points in their own right i i think that they will make penn state uncomfortable with the, with how horizontal they can get uh with their offense with kenny gainwell and demonte coxie and everything but penn state wins this one and i think they win by a touchdown
1: uh this is another one where they have not released the gift suite hmm. but they actually did respond according to the sports business journal the cotton Bowl representatives would not disclose the contents of this year's gift packages
2: there is no nylon we just wanted to say that <laughs>
1: all right we have the serve pro first responders bowl western kentucky against western michigan at gerald r ford stadium in dallas
2: that's a that's a good american stadium stadium. right there um let's see i like western kentucky in this one i think they have one of the low-key like best defenses especially among the group of five western michigan pretty fun on offense Uh, levante bellamy scored a ton of touchdowns 23 rushing touchdowns for him this year so He's a beast. He'll be like a fun uh, guy to study as far as like uh, scouting goes for for the combine and and for the upcoming NFL draft. But I don't think that there's enough overall with this Western Michigan team, whereas Western Kentucky, I think is a better coach team, a little bit more complete. Uh, Give me the tops.
1: Okay. I have very, very little to say uh, about that matchup. It's okay. Uh, that, this is one of three games, though I believe that is like about the military. There's the Armed Forces Bowl, the First Responders Bowl. I guess that's not military. I
2: think the First uh, Responder Bowl got canceled last year. Like that, that was the that was the Boise State BC game that there was just crazy lightning wherever that this game is being played, and they had to can it.
1: Man, well, that will not be happening this year. Hopefully, we'll be crossing our fingers. Um, Doing the rain dance, the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl.
2: This one's interesting, man, because I do not like this Miss State team at all. I think that they've been frauds all year. I think that they've been, you know, kind of subpar. Louisville, amazing first year under Scott Satterfield compared to where they were a year ago. But what Louisville or what got Louisville beat so badly against Kentucky is what concerns me about this Miss State matchup. I think that this is the worst possible draw that Louisville could have gotten. So as much as I like this Louisville team, I think the Miss State can just counting the crap out of the ball on the ground i know right uh, w- with their quarterback whether it's schrader or or tommy stevens or even keaton thompson if they want to get him in for a game um this is a, i think two years ago that these two teams played in a bowl game oddly enough but um i just think the mistake can run the ball well enough and then kylan hill i'd be remiss to to not mention him this is his last game at miss state um so brighter days ahead for louisville but for this specific game give me miss state
1: all right um all that all it says for the gift suite is a fossil watch. So that's all you're getting if you're playing in the American Mortgage Music City Bowl. We now move to the Red Box Bowl, California against Illinois, Levi's Stadium, Santa Clara, California. Lovey Smith, packed house. Yeah, this is going to be maybe kind of a sneaky entertaining game in a lot of ways. I, I think if you're an Illinois fan, you know, getting back to a bowl game for the first time in forever, um, I would imagine there'll be. I mean, it's a long way to travel, but. I think there are a lot of Illinois alums scattered around the country, and I would imagine they get a decent, uh, decent base of fans out in what's you know much closer to being a home game for Cal.
2: Right. So yeah, this will be. This has the the Colts. Uh, favorite type of uh, potential to it the way that uh like the Cal TCU cheese Bowl did a year ago. I think that there's going to be a lot of wonkiness in this one. Um Illinois near the top of the of the FBS in terms of turnovers forced. Uh California very careful with the ball. I know, so, I know that
1: game firsthand.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. So, uh yeah, Wisconsin had a lot to do with that actually. Uh, come <laughs> to think of it, and I think Michigan State might have too. Um but I think if Illinois can, you know, keep that going and keep that turnover luck in their favor on this one, they can they can get this thing turned around and they they have a bunch of like former USC players on their team. Uh, Reggie Corbin, uh, another strong running back for Illinois. So I actually like Illinois to win this one straight up. Uh, So not only cover the spread, I don't put a lot of confidence in it. And I also think this is going to end up being a very weird game. But Illinois, I put like three or four confidence points on them.
1: All right, we have the Capital One Orange Bowl, Florida, Virginia. This one is at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. The night game um, on December 30th, so New Year's Eve, Eve. Uh, how are you feeling about this one?
2: It's a pretty big spread for Florida, like a surprisingly big one. And I know that the numbers actually back it up and say that Florida's going to win or cover this one. Um, I don't know if I can trust Florida with more than two touchdowns necessarily. I think Virginia, they're just in a brutal spot. I think we both agreed on that going into that Clemson game where it's like Clemson's going to get biblical on them just to remind everybody you know, who they are. And there's really nothing that anybody can do about it. So they're just going to get sacrificed at the altar. Florida, a good team. Uh, a team that that, um, definitely doesn't beat itself or anything like that and doesn't lose to teams that that aren't as good as it. Um, So I think Virginia qualifies. I think that Florida wins this one. I I put a fair bit of confidence in that one. The spread is really interesting in this one. I... I, it's tough. I will pick Florida again uh, with the spread here, just because I, I do think that they're going to win comfortably. And yeah. with that, I'll, I'll just throw uh, the trust in there. But I could not blame someone for going Virginia with the spread here because Bryce Perkins, really fun electric player, twenty nine total touchdowns, um, almost four thousand total yards, um, really fun player. I think this is his last game at Virginia, so I'm going to enjoy watching him go and selfishly hope he beats the Gators. Yeah. But uh, for my own confidence pools, uh, Florida.
1: All players in this game will receive a full-size helmet that is half Virginia, half Florida. I mean, what else could you want? It's a -a one-of-a-kind item. Um, All right, let's move to New Year's Eve. We have the Belk Bowl kicking things off at noon Eastern.
2: The final Belk Bowl. Wait, what? Yeah, Belk gave up their sponsorship for this after this year or ran out.
1: Are they going to go all out for this then? I hope so. Yeah. What and, is Belk? But it's a it's uh, it's, a, it's, a, store, it's right? a
2: Southern department store. Uh the greatest Belk Bowl story is Jeremy Sprinkle from a couple of years ago at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um you get a or at least you did back then, you got like a four hundred dollar gift certificate uh to or gift card at Belk to like go shop around. So like him and like all of, all the Arkansas guys are like at the store shopping and he still had the nerve to like try to shoplift on top of <laughs> on top of it and he got caught and he got suspended for the bowl game but shout out jeremy sprinkle for for like trying to get a little extra on top of it good for him i've never heard a sprinkle on top yeah that is
1: incredible (laughs) um so how are you feeling about this virginia tech kentucky uh kentucky team that you know based on some of the talent that it had last year kind of felt like it peaked but you know still able to to manage a pretty respectable 2019 season
2: right and then on the other side Virginia Tech felt like the sky was falling when they got stomped by Duke on that mm-hmm. on that Friday night um, but they were able to turn the season around nicely going to I think like their second or third string quarterback Hendon Hooker who ended up having a very good season But this is Lynn Bowden's last game. Kentucky, pretty good top to bottom, I feel like, and they're just a tough team to contend with because Bowden playing quarterback is just really, really difficult to defend. It's almost like uh, defending the option. Uh, I know Virginia Tech has some experience in doing that, being in the same conferences as Georgia Tech in the past and everything like that, but I like Kentucky in this one. I give them uh, the the nod as far as the confidence, and then obviously they are underdogs in this one, um, so I, I would obviously like Kentucky against the spread as well.
1: We move to uh, – this is one I cannot believe this is real. I, I think it was like Deadspin or some site like that used to run an article where they would have you pick like which, which bowls are real, which ones are fake names. The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas, Florida State – Against Arizona State, I think this is when when Florida State won that national title with Jameis a while back. I think this is kind of where they thought they were going to be in in five years, playing in the Tony the Tiger Bowl against Arizona State, just in in El Paso on a Tuesday afternoon. It's going to be like (laughs) one hundred and (laughs) seven degrees. It's the all
2: the Academic All American Bowl too. You know, I mean, you got two just (laughs) proud institutions. But um, as far as this game goes, it's tough to figure out. I go Herm, though. I think just the Herm factor is enough for me here. So Arizona State, five-point favorites in this one. Uh, we're not gonna have either of the running backs going, unfortunately. Cam Akers, I think, is sitting this one out. Eno Benjamin on Arizona State also sitting it out. But Brandon Ayuk, uh, one of the more better under-the-radar uh receivers who's gonna be in this year's uh draft class. Really, really strong player, uh over a thousand yards receiving this year. Mm-hmm. On Terry, a fun receiver to watch on the Florida State side of things. So there's gonna be some inter- individual uh you know. Numbers being put up in this one here, but I think Arizona State the better team overall, so and better coached too.
1: The AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Navy against Kansas State.
2: Uh, I hope I don't. I hope I don't watch any of this. I'm I'm sorry. You have a choice. No offense to Navy or K State, but I don't like watching either of them play. I mean,
1: I watched the like I said on our last pod the entire Kansas State Iowa State game over Thanksgiving it was not pretty it was an ugly game I, I was impressed i guess by kansas state i mean they have a couple of big wins you know they, they were the team that beat oklahoma um but yeah i i have no plans to watch this game whatsoever i mean this is i guess uh, uh, maybe i, I don't want to rule it out it's middle of the day new year's eve what else are you going to be doing
2: uh, probably going to be out and about getting ready for the night hopefully so hopefully this will just be like background noise more than anything so mm-hmm. i don't i do not plan on sitting down and watching this but i like navy to win this one and to cover
1: Okay. Um. When the the primary gift suite item here is a Bass Pro Shops shopping spree.
2: That rocks. Uh, yeah, That's yeah, some some quality gear you can get there.
1: Yeah. Very true. Very true. The Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. <laughs> they, all, they all get a mortgage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't. Yeah. there's like the third mortgage company to sponsor a bowl too. There's kind of a yeah a lot of credit unions. You
2: think that mortgage bubble's gonna burst? Yeah. Mortgage bowl sponsorship co- <laughs> bubble. <laughs>
1: I don't, I, some of these companies I've only heard of because they sponsor bowls. Yes, Which I guess is the point, right?
2: I mean, my favorite one was like a couple years ago where like Battle Frog was all over yeah. the place. Battle Frog Fiesta Bowl or whatever, yeah. and I, don't, yeah. I still
1: don't know what Battle Frog is. But I don't I believe what, it exists I know anymore. The word Battle Frog, right? Um, Wyoming against Georgia State. This is in Arizona at Tucson. Um, another middle afternoon. You're not going to believe this, but they're they're pushed this one to CBS Sports
2: Network. Uh, so you get to watch it on Letterbox. Nice. Yes. Um, Yeah, Wyoming's going to crush them. Uh, Wyoming, uh, put them at least in the 20s, if not into your 30s, as far as your confidence picks goes. Georgia State's quarterback, I think, is playing on a torn ACL, so credit to him for toughing it out and everything like that. But Georgia State can't stop the run. Wyoming can only run the ball, so it's just going to be a beatdown.
1: Yeah, pretty underwhelming gift suite here, not even worth mentioning. The Valero Alamo Bowl, Utah, Texas, the Alamo Dome, San Antonio, actually going to be a really good game. You think so? I think so. I like I, I like watching Texas.
2: I do too Uh, this has been a weird Texas team yes it has um they the thing is the thing about them is that like they can't stop the pass at all but Utah doesn't throw it very often so um it'll be kind of interesting to see if Utah opts to open it up and I I know that'll be Tyler Huntley's last game there so maybe they will kind of be be steering in that direction Zach Moss obviously a, a stud running back for Utah as well I like Utah to win this one I like them to cover I like Utah you know in my upper 20s as far as my confidence uh goes in this one I just Texas, I don't think, is that far away from being really good. Obviously, I mean, they're a year removed from winning the Sugar Bowl in pretty convincing fashion. I think Sam Ellinger will probably come back next year, but for this year, Utah's got this one.
1: The gift suite includes AirPods Pro, a Michael Kors watch, a team panoramic photo. Incredible. Got to have it. And a $115 Amazon gift card. Oddly specific number that
2: yeah you can get a whole bunch of stuff with that on amazon though yeah. so
1: couldn't spring for the 120 or the 150 you gotta cap it at 115 mm-hmm. all right the verbo v-r-b-o very cool to remo- remove whatever vowels may be in the middle of that word the verbo citrus bowl michigan against alabama at camping world stadium in orlando this is a noon game for us 1 p.m eastern on new year's day kicks off one of the best days of the year for watching sports you i mean at this point there's a decent chance you might not even be awake for the first half of this game based on how, how New Year's Eve typically goes. But Michigan-Alabama, two teams that are probably not thrilled to be in this bowl, but if is, this is kind of another like if they bring it type of bowl but i think it goes for both sides and i'm a little bit more concerned about alabama not bringing
2: it yeah i think the sense that i've gotten is that the bama offensive players are going to play um but the the defense i think that's uh, they've been so dinged up over the course yeah. of the year that that they might be um a little bit shorthanded defensively in this one so that that definitely will help michigan's case in, in scoring here but man if if Alabama you know brings it offensively I think that they win this one I think I'm not comfortable as some people are making Alabama their best bet just because I think that them not playing in the playoff that you have to at yeah. least acknowledge the risk of them not bringing their a game here and this this obviously isn't as good of an Alabama team as we've seen in mm-hmm. the past and at a certain point this year Michigan looked like a potential playoff spoiler against Ohio State until that game actually happened um so I like Alabama, and I like them to cover, but like I'm not I'm not going crazy with it. I'm not I'm not hanging 39 confidence points on them or making them my best bet or anything.
1: The Outback Bowl. This one is really difficult, I think, and one of my one of my toughest choices when we went through and made our bowl picks. Minnesota against Auburn, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Uh, certainly an advantage geographically for Auburn, but I think much like Illinois, um, I mean, Minnesota has not been to a bowl of this caliber in a while and I think if if you're a Minnesota fan who's kind of been waiting for a season like this and you know you certainly would have preferred the Rose Bowl but still a, a pretty high level bowl for a program that's been mired in in mediocrity or sub mediocrity for a decent amount of time now I, I think Minnesota will travel well and I mean as I've said to you I I hate Minnesota more than I hate any other team but <laughs> every time I watch them I'm so impressed with that offense especially those receivers
2: yeah no they are super impressive love Tyler Johnson love Rashad Bateman um so this will be a test for for auburn but i think in auburn i think definitely played its best game of the year against alabama i don't think that they come with anything close to that in this one but auburn's defense is just so nasty that i think that um it could turn this one a little bit ugly for minnesota and auburn's offense gets it done to the point where where auburn wins this one uh trusting auburn with like more than seven points is kind of tough though um if you, if you get it at seven and a half, then I'd probably take Minnesota at at seven right at it. I probably go Auburn. So that that's kind of how I view it. But I do feel confident that Auburn wins this one. I would go 30 or more confidence points on Auburn.
1: Yeah, at some point, it might just come down to, you know, Auburn, a team that's played a really tough schedule. Um, you know, maybe record wise, these teams look a lot more comparable. And, you know, Minnesota obviously had that big win against Penn State. But it does feel like maybe Minnesota peaked in that game. And it's been kind of a slight downhill trend ever True. since then
2: yeah that's definitely a fair summation there
1: okay we are now up to the rose bowl game presented by northwestern mutual this one of course is in pasadena california it is who's in this one uh or oregon or oregon against the wisconsin badgers hey now so you tell us i'm i'm the captive audience
2: here What yeah. what's gonna happen
1: Well, the last three times Wisconsin went to the Rose Bowl, including one matchup against Oregon, it did not go well. All three games were competitive, um, but Wisconsin was just kind of out-talented, I think, for the most part. They were beaten by Andy Dalton in a Rose Bowl, which is the biggest black mark, I think, on this program overall. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, I I think... I think that these are two very similar teams, um, not necessarily in style, but just in kind of how the season has gone. They both suffered very untimely losses that that ultimately, um, you know, prevented them from reaching reaching a point that I thought I think they probably thought that they could get to early in the season. Um, I, my lean is always against Wisconsin in a big game um, for, for just for history reasons and for my own, you know, hedging against yeah, my emotional own happiness. Hedging, which I, yep. yeah, I, I'm a huge emotional hedger, so... Um, you know, and honestly, like I, I don't want to speak for the entire Wisconsin fan base, but this doesn't feel as like making the Rose Bowl game was such a big deal in 2011 2000, and even 2012, 2013, because the program was kind of in that Minnesota zone for a while, uh, maybe never reaching those depths. But it was, you know, the Rose Bowl was, was a, a huge achievement and it still should be, but I think getting to three state Rose Bowls, pumping out the kind of talent, and having some of the big wins that Wisconsin's had over the last decade, have raised the standard to the point where the Rose Bowl just doesn't really carry that same. You expertise. want to get to the playoff, right? And I think it's good. You know, I think it's I think it's good for me as a fan to feel that way that the Rose Bowl isn't the be all end all, and like this is our national championship. You know, because that's definitely how it felt when they played TCU, especially that first time around. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a mass exodus; like, so many of my friends went to that game because it it felt like a once in a lifetime thing, and now. I mean, this is the fourth Rose Bowl in a decade for Wisconsin, which is incredible. They've lost the first three, like I said, but um, it still feels like a consolation game in a lot of ways. And I think that's a side effect of the playoff, maybe a negative side effect in some ways. Um, but it also speaks to the fact that I think Wisconsin, even though they're they're not remotely there yet, they've at least inched closer to kind of taking this program to the next level. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, you know, I think you said it really well, where it's like that the Rose Bowl it hasn't it doesn't like lose its luster overall like when you sit down on New Year's Day and you get to enjoy the specter of you know that game of course you're still going to be like super pumped and everything but it does like you said it it loses a bit of it of the excitement when you're not in the playoff and and so mm-hmm. when that becomes your new expectation and your new goal and you don't hit it then it, you know it it just naturally mm-hmm. takes a little bit off of it but this This is a great Rose Bowl matchup. I'm definitely more excited for this than I was whatever it was like Ohio State Washington last year. Um, That that wasn't all that fun of a game to watch. This one I think is going to be really good. Um, I'm a little bit surprised to see Wisconsin favored in this one. Um, I like Oregon in this one. I like Oregon with like 12 confidence points. Um, Oregon I think is just really, really freaky athletic and they're just as big as Wisconsin is in the trenches. Um, So that's not a great combo when when you're looking at the Badgers side of things here. So so I think Jonathan Taylor can still get his in what will likely be his final game as a Badger, but top to bottom, the, the speed on Oregon, I think, will be able to carry it. Um, that Kayvon Thibodeau guy who really came on strong in the Pac-12 championship game against um, Utah uh, if you don't have him sewed up on the, on the edge, uh, it could be a really long day for Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn is like my biggest concern in this one versus that Oregon pass rush.
1: You mean to tell me that you have major concerns about a Wisconsin quarterback? That, I sure that's do. That's unheard of. Um, <laughs> we no, clipped
2: that audio from 2015.
1: <laughs> I'm mostly concerned about the Wisconsin secondary holding up against that speed. You know, that, to me, has kind of been the weakness for this team um, all season and you know just giving up big plays at bad times. And I think Oregon has the athletes that can really exploit that. And and. I was looking at the AP All-America teams the other day. Oregon had three linemen on the first or second team. Yeah. Offensive linemen. The
2: Outland Trophy winner, too.
1: Yeah, Uh, right. I mean, the Remington went to be Oddish at Wisconsin, but, I mean, do you think it would be the other? If I told you one of these two teams has three offensive linemen that are All-Americans, you would not guess that it's Oregon.
2: No, not off the bat like that, but, yeah, Cristobal is – gotten them recruited and he's former O line coach i believe so uh really gotten those guys ready to roll there Mm -hmm. up front they're they're built different than the rest of the pac-12 and it's going to be a problem again for everybody else next year
1: one of the gifts for making the rose bowl is a new era 950 snapback adjustable hat so just what do we like the 950 i I don't know i'm not a i'm not a flat bell guy okay you know i used to be back in my um my high school days days. i kind of ditched that Um, all right well i'll turn the tables on you now we have georgia baylor in the all-state sugar bowl
2: well um i can't imagine that that kirby smart lets them come out as flat as they did a year ago Um, but baylor i think is going to come with the same intensity that texas did um, a year ago so georgia still needs to be ready regardless georgia can't score this is a game that's over under is set at 41 that's 10 points lower than the or than the Oregon Wisconsin game uh that's just nuts like neither of these offenses are all that good Baylor has some interesting pieces Charlie Brewer obviously at, at quarterback and Denzel Mims um they have some interesting running backs as well John Lovett um that uh their pass catching running back his name is escaping me right now but he's he's pretty interesting um as well but Georgia we don't know which of the, which of its guys are going to be playing on offense the, of the draft eligible guys I know that Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, is not going to. Um, I don't. I don't believe. Coward. I yeah, I know. Right. Uh, just a traitor to the program. Uh, Isaiah Wilson um, also declared for the draft. We don't know what DeAndre Swift is going to do. Um, and he's got that dinged up shoulder fr- from uh, that last game of the season there. So, again, we really don't know. Uh, James Cook just got arrested. Uh, Lawrence Cager out for the season. I mean, the, the list goes on. So, like, I don't think Georgia's going to score a lot of points here.
1: Sometimes you just got to get arrested.
2: Sometimes. And, uh, you know, Georgia had gone way too long without getting an arrest.ed it, They were due, um, especially with it being the, off se- or like the in-between season and bowl season. I think Georgia wins this one. I don't like them to cover, though.
1: Okay, fair enough. I admire your optimism. Let's move to January 2nd. We get the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. Steve Adazio's Boston College Eagles against the Cincinnati Bearcats. This is yet another bowl. It seems like half the bowls are being played in Birmingham or, or Orlando, but this one comes to us from Birmingham. Do you, do you have any, any read on this? i think
2: cincinnati crushes him uh mm-hmm. the, i might make this my best bet
1: i believe yeah this is another one that was unanimous in our in our bowl pick spreadsheet and, and
2: bc not, is bad aj dillon's yep. not there and adazio actually is the, the new colorado state coach he's brought the dudes out out to fort collins it,
1: he the biggest casualty of vine going down was steve adazio Dude. no longer doing that Yeah, we got to get him on tiktok we do the TaxSlayer Gator Bowl, Indiana, Tennessee. What a bizarre matchup. And fittingly, this one comes to us from the Jags Stadium in Jacksonville.
2: You love to see it. Um, <laughs> I think that this this game has a bit of like Spider-Man meme-ish oh, yeah. to it. Um, they're kind of the reflections of each other within their respective divisions. I like Indiana in this one. I know know it's a tight spread. I know it's it favors Tennessee here. I I go Indiana with like a low, like you know seven or so uh, confidence points because this is a good Indiana team. It's a team that that pushed uh, some some superior teams to um, to difficult spots at different points of this year. They could end up with their ninth win of the season here. Tennessee, obviously, on a roll to end the season. uh, Really good defensively down the stretch, but they also didn't really play a particularly imposing november so i like indiana
1: yeah that one this is one of the tougher ones for me big time toss-up i mean i i I tend to side with the school that has significantly more talent recruiting wise in tennessee even though it's just been a really weird season for them um but uh, indiana's playing well i mean they, they certainly deserve to be there uh january 3rd we have the famous idaho potato bowl of course in boise idaho ohio against nevada
2: i think ohio steamrolls them i know that nevada has the uh better record seven and five but ohio has the best player on the field in nathan rourke um that's an ohio offense that can really really steamroll you if you're not ready for it i think that nevada that defense might not be ready for it so um i really like ohio's chances in covering this one i have a pretty high confidence on them as well so uh, give me the bobcats
1: one of the items that you get for this game is a commemorative coin
2: a commemorative russet potato yeah
1: and a famous idaho potato, potato bowl beanie oh I,
2: I might need to take a look at that
1: on the secondary market <laughs> depending on what it looks like uh all right on january 4th we have the lockheed martin armed forces bowl this one is in fort worth texas southern miss against tulane
2: i think tulane a uh, similar deal as ohio and nevada like Tulane, worst record, but like insanely powerful run game that can get you into a lot of trouble if you're not ready to, to stop it. I don't think that uh, Southern Miss has those horses. Southern Miss has some interesting players. I love Jack Abraham. I love Quez Watkins. Had a really good year. Um, but Tulane, Justin McMillan, um, and and they're just... Tons, tons of running backs that they can th- throw so many different looks at you They're, they remind me a little bit of like a college version of like the 49ers with how many different like running backs they can roll out with you and and, and defeat you that way so give me two lane in this one pretty high
1: all right i love the green wave some of the best uniforms in college oh, football man. since their recent rebrand and we finish out with the lending tree bowl in mobile alabama this one has the center stage on january 6th Louisiana which i believe uh we're still referring to them as Louisiana Lafayette right
2: uh i think they prefer Louisiana
1: oh no yeah i i personally but i don't and think me, you can yeah. just do that you can't just claim louisiana like that
2: yeah it's a bold move cotton so yeah right. Let, all
1: right you la, la. <laughs> yeah you la, la against miami of ohio this is at lad people stadium in mobile alabama <laughs>
2: <laughs> alabama just like the the football center of the world <laughs> during this time yeah, of year you need
1: to schedule a low end bowl game just call Alabama come on They'll down. Find a stadium for you
2: oh yeah they have so many stadiums um give me Louisiana give I mean they're 14 point favorites in this one I think they cover that uh we've talked about their ground game uh before when analyzing some uh DraftKings slates earlier this season they have a total three-headed monster led by Elijah Mitchell um I just think that Louisiana too strong top to bottom here I think that they they kind of take it to Miami on that standalone Monday game
1: all right do you have anything Else to discuss with the semifinal games or the college football final, anything signing day related on your mind?
2: Um, I think we got most of it out of the way uh, earlier on in the show. I, um, I think that LSU ends up winning it all. Um, I think that as far as signing day goes, I think we're, we're it sets up for seeing more of the same at the top end of the pool for for uh, the next couple of years here. I think that we're going to see some uh, really talented players ending up at your LSU's, your Bama's, your Clemson's and so on so not, not a huge in ohio state of course so not a huge shake up as far as signing day goes i guess georgia not being the number one recruiting mm-hmm. class for the first time in a couple of years is a slight shake up so sorry yeah i know right it's it's been pretty tough for me all afternoon but um yeah fun signing day and uh i really look forward to this playoff and uh, i like lsu to win it all
1: i don't know if you caught Dabo earlier he was doing an interview during signing day and it uh it seemed like something that maybe would have ruffled your feathers. He was like, "Well, I'm told we might have the number one class this year." Not, not that I care about that at all. I was like, "You so care." You about get
2: that. out of here, yeah. man, Dabo. Just tone it down on the corniness. This would be their
1: first one ever. That's right. Are they are they on track to hold that down, like that number one spot
2: uh, for for this year? Yeah, I believe like, I believe so. But I don't know if they're going to sign anybody else. But like everyone they have is like a five star. Yeah. I think they'll be they'll be set.